Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. There is something um, I have discovered as I have worked my spiritual path over the past few decades that always seems to take me by surprise, even though I know it's part of the journey. But I'll be, jo- I'm, I mean, I'm bopping along just fine. You know, sermons are flowing, spirit is uplifted. I'm feeling closer than ever to the holy savoring, like holy instance of revelation. And then, bam, I'm in the spiritual desert. How does that happen? The, the, the sermon muses go silent. I feel like this once clear connection to the holy is just full of static. And St. John of the Cross famously called this the dark night of the soul. Well, we've all been there. No matter what term we've used to describe it, it's a period when you feel lost spiritually, when you feel disconnected, disconcerted, distressed, discombobulated. People will tell you it's a normal part of the spiritual path, but why, we wonder, do we even wander off the path? It always feels unintentional, or sometimes, you know, something happens in our lives and just knocks us right off the path. But hear the good news, this morning jubilance, the times that we feel lost, those dark night times, they're not really a sign that we've been knocked off the spiritual path. Indeed, it's what Michael Beckwith calls the fine print of spiritual awakening. Did you read the contract? I don't think we did. (laughs) But there is the dark night. It's part of the agreement that occasional feeling of being lost and alone. But the good news for any of us is this, including myself, if you find yourself questioning where you are in the moment and where you're going, all that means is you're right where you're meant to be. And God is still leading the way. And that's a knowing that ought to make you say, oh yeah. yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From Joel S. Goldsmith. All spiritual light comes only after darkness. Do I not indicate that over and over again? When we are happy in our health, supply, and relationships, there's no no room for spiritual progress. There's no spiritual progress. As material conditions or, or persons fail us, we are driven to the spirit. Just note how often you feel pleased because of an apparent harmony. And you will see why we must be jarred out of merely human good. From Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith's book, The Liberation, Soul Liberation, The Liberation of the Soul. And Reverend, I mean, Candace mentioned this earlier. The fine print of spiritual awakening cannot be ignore those times as the dark night of the soul. This concluding chapter in the, in the last chapter of the book, Spiritual Liberation, he clarifies how beneficial the dark night is to those who are deeply committed to their relation. And you wouldn't be here if you were not committed to, to growing in consciousness, to growing in your own self-realization. So... Reverend Michael's talking about you. 
Heads up. Thought you might want to know. <laughs> the night is like no other. And we both, you and I, Candace, can say amen to that. Yes. <laughs> it is inescapable, even, I dare say, desirable, for those who sincerely desire the transforming touch of the Spirit. This night, which can last moments, days, weeks, and even years, feels like the bottom has fallen out of our lives. Our friends and family don't understand what we're going through. And whatever compassion they can offer can't even reach the depth of our despair. The spiritual path we are following has become so dry, as dry as dust, and clearly isn't working. To an individual that is accustomed to living in conscious communion with the inevitable, the dark night is excruciating dry spell without a trace of divine succor. The density of the eternal world presses itself against our soul, weighing heavily upon your heart. Maybe God isn't real and all, the, all this enlightenment is just fiction. There's no inner direction in sight. And you feel completely alone. Agonizing emotions of egoic structure convince you that you are not going to survive this hopeless state of being. That you are going to die. And that if you did, it would be okay. And I have felt that. And from Dr. Howard Thurman, and this is a part of the, the if we choose to step up, that we can embody this as, as Dr. Howard Thurman is speaking here. Love at its best does not demand requirement. It gives, and in its giving, it finds its strength, its security, and its ability to give more and more. This jubilance is our privilege. This is our opportunity. To walk in the light while darkness invades, envelops, and surrounds is to wait on the Lord. And to know the renewal of strength. And this is to walk and faint not. Let's just take a moment to close our outer eyes. And turn within and lean into this power and presence that is, that is closer than our breathing. That is, that is knowing itself in, through, and as each of us, in, through, and as the technology, in, through, and as the music and musicians and the music and the instruments, in, through, and as each of you, in, through, and as each and every being. How grateful I am just to wake up today. Grateful for another day. Grateful to, to be in service. Grateful to be in service with so many powerful beings of love and light. Grateful to be here right now in this beloved Jubilee Circle community. 
grateful for the sacred yeses that brought us all here and continue to bring us here to continue to help us to lean into the truth of our being. Recognizing that it's God everywhere, that there is no space place that God is not, that even, that even these chairs we sit upon, this ground we walk upon is animated with spirit because God is everywhere. That God is the only power, omni-active in everything. That God is infinite intelligence and divine wisdom always flowing to us in a language we absolutely catch and understand. That God is grace always giving of itself, never ever withholding from anyone and anything. Grace is in. And that regardless of appearances, divine order is in the midst of everything. And I am one with this power, this presence. It is my breath. And as this is true for me, it's true for each and every one of us here, each and every one of us in YouTube land, each and every being, one with God, one with each other, and one with all it is. And so it's from this, this place and space of oneness that I get to affirm and bless our time together. I surrender myself to the Spirit to be used as a, as a channel for the infinite, clearing the windows of my perception that, that only my true thoughts, which are the thoughts I share with God, shall stream forth. Affirming that God speaks in a language that we each catch and understand in our own time, in our own way. That we are all walking each other home, blessing our journey. Confirming that this is a divine assignment, a holy encounter that I am grateful for this morning. And so I bless our time, knowing it is good and very good. And I simply say, Amen. Now, the dark night of the soul, don't let it scare you. Because one thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have learned over time is that regardless of appearances, that the Spirit, God, whatever you want to call this power, this presence, is always with us. That even as the Bible says, if I make my bed in hell, Spirit is with me. And if I, I'm rising up to the mountaintops, wherever I go, Spirit is with me. All that it requires is that I am willing to feel for that presence. Even when I don't feel like it. Because the dark night is, is something we qualify for. And it's kind of like going to kindergarten, you know, you have to learn all the strategies and all the rules of kindergarten and your colors and your letters, and then you qualify to race to the next grade and so forth. When you go through elementary school and middle school and high school, and Margaret just got her PhD, so she had to really 
do some heavy-duty work to qualify to be Dr. Ward. She's brilliant. So we, as on our soul journey, everybody's in the perfect place for themselves because when we are eternal being, our physical birth was not our beginning. Our physical death of this bio-body suit is not the end. And so we're all on this magnificent journey that we signed up for, whether it was on a bus, said, look, I'm going to learn this, and you're going to be in cahoots with me, and I'm going to need you to do this, and I'll promise I'll do this for you. I'll be the bad guy here if you'll be the bad guy here so that I can perfect my loving. And so my first experience with the dark night, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was that everything that I knew and loved, it was almost like somebody was just jerking the cloth and the, the, the cups and glasses. They weren't staying on the table. They just went, whoo. So my, my band broke up, and I loved those boys. They were my best friends. And then I had this tumor that had to be removed. And then... My, my best friend was killed in a car crash. It was a freak accident. Then I had kidney cancer. And then there was, there was this experience of another breakup. And, and I, I didn't have the tools to deal with it because I had walked away from God. So this was almost like a precursor to get me on the path that I am now. And I found my way to A Course in Miracles. And I learned... To, to surrender to, to the present moment. I don't know what means. And I had to do a lot of forgiveness work during this, this period. And I was just getting to know this presence. So I don't know that that was a dark night because I didn't know the presence well enough to know that it wasn't, that it was there, but I just didn't feel for it. Does that make sense? And then when I moved into, I'd been studying A Course in Miracles and had that second, that, that second bout with cancer with multiple myeloma. And I wasn't ready for that, but I, I felt God's presence in that. I knew that with 75% of my bone marrow being cancer, I had no choice but to surrender to the process. And I remember calling, and you have, with chemo, you have to be three weeks on and three weeks off. I mean, one week off. And so the, when I entered that three-week rotation, I referred to it as going into the belly of the whale. Because I was so heavy that it was hard to even open a water bottle. And I was so independent. And it was hard for me to ask people to, to help me because I was so independent but I felt God through all of that and again that was another precursor and so when my real dark night of the soul hit I had been practicing a, a course in miracles probably about 13 years and so I was steeped in it steeped in that practice and so as I came out of stem cell transplant, there was a three-month period for healing. So I was in meditation. I was in my practice. And then a great love came back into my life. 
and left just as quickly as they came in. And I was thinking, well, God had given me beauty for my ashes. Uh, no. And so I remember thinking, where is God in this? I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to, I didn't want to meditate. I couldn't focus enough. I was like, you know what? I went through all of this. Surely there's beauty for my ashes. It was excruciating. Because I felt like God, because I had done this, that God owed me something. (laughs) But what I had to learn is that we don't go to God to get. We go to God for God. And so as I begrudgingly surrendered to this dark night, and I blessed Georgia's soul, my my pit bull, because she, she heard the brunt of this. She heard the crying and the gnashing of teeth. And I questioned the timing of it. Why now? Because I didn't even have a name for the dark night of the soul. All I knew is my world was falling apart even after I had been in service. Even after I had prayed and meditated and studied. Even after all of that and I didn't see God. Or feel God in that experience. And so what I did was, regardless of how I felt, there were other teachers that were placed on my path, like Jack Cornfield, who inspired me to pray for those who hurt us. To pray for the happiness of those folks. And so day after day, during the dark night of the soul, I prayed for this person's happiness. That they would be happy, that they would be at peace, that the causes of their happiness would be multiplied. That they and everyone that they love would be safe and healthy. And I leaned into love because I love this person regardless of whether they were in my life anymore or not. Now, my friends wanted to pull out a can of whoop ass and go go to the house. (laughs) And I was like, no, this is not their fault. This is not their fault. This is exactly as it should be. And I shared before that, and that was like in in December, January, March. And then I was still in the middle of the dark night of the soul, just, just struggling to stay on the planet. Because that was a point in my life where if this is good as what it gets, if I have been through this, then why am I still here? We always want to seek a way of escape, a way out of it. Sometimes we will, we will eat too much, watch too much TV, do anything to get our mind off of what we are experiencing. We will close ourselves off to love. And what I learned through practitioner studies is when I close my heart, the only one that I am hurting is myself. Because the Course says, what I deny you, I deny myself. And so you have to make a decision that regardless, I'm going to lean into love, whether I feel like it or not. I'm going to pray for this person every time they cross my mind, and whether it be in the middle of the night or I'm walking in, in Publix. Pray for their happiness and send love to that person. 
And then finally, I, you know, God speaks to us in a language we absolutely catch and understand. I, I give thanks for Candace every single day because of that writer's workshop where she had us write from our perspective, from the other person's perspective, and then from the perspective of a third observer, and the observer that I knew was present at that time, knows all, is all. And I went, I asked for this. That this, regardless of what the experience felt like, was exactly what I needed to, to get me to the next level. Because remember, we qualify for it, right? And so I had asked that I carry no baggage into another relationship. Into whatever it is that I was going to be doing next. And it was, it was the most peaceful part of that entire year. And I, I remember making my bed and, and um, listening to, to um, ah, the guy that sings, uh, I don't know why I'm having trouble singing it, but he sings Brand New Day. And he sings Brown Eyed Girl. Van Morris. I listened to Van Morris and making my bed. That album that has all the great songs on it. And Brand New Day came on. And I felt it. I felt that the veil had been lifted. And I finally felt the presence of God. I felt that I had received the gift that was in that particular dark night of the soul. So that I could show up as love, forgive myself, which is really what forgiveness is all about, forgive others, and then move into my purpose. And so, even Reverend Michael talks about in service, or he was meeting with us and talked about his dark night of the soul. And how he can still catch things from spirit. But there was, there was that thing, that, that power, that presence that you get used to. Just leaning into and having available that, that we can't quite get to. And that is, a, that is a hard space to be in if you're used to being able to walk in that. Whether it's in nature or when you're playing music or however you feel that connection. And so this summer, which I thought, again, that... Uh, I was good. I didn't need any more. You know, I don't need, I don't have a need for dark night. Hey, thank you. But I'm good. <laughs> and so I'm glad that I don't have control over that. Because I, at, a, at a bit, first of June, I entered another dark night. And the difference is that this time I had tools to be able to help me make it through. The dark night. So here we are again. But this time I have tools. I have mighty companions to help me along this journey. You know, everything cycles back to be healed. So if there was some, there's some space in our life, some event that is still a part of our operating system. 
Spirit wants us to be able to flow all of its presence without obstruction. So if there's something to be revealed, something to be healed, it will come up for us to look at, to remember. Ah. And so mine was that cardiac event that happened at the beginning of June. I, I had said, Spirit, I want to be able to flow more, be able to tune in, tap into the infinite, to be a channel for the infinite, to be in service of the inf- infinite. And originally I thought, well, perhaps that was God's way of, boom, hit you with that energy. My body temple couldn't handle it. And so it was a lesson to me that well, maybe perhaps you need to back up from the table. You know, and come off the caffeine a little bit. And get off Sugar Mountain. Because Lord knows, Lord knows I got a sweet tooth the size of Texas. And that it's a way of bringing balance. I thought that's what it was. But, you know, one of the things that I do, I, I see a practitioner. And I see, and Gina Gibson is, is not an agape practitioner, but she is a practitioner. And she is able to tune in and tap in and help me to look at what might be associated with this experience. And what she helped me remember was that when my baby sister died in 2007, which was that same week in June, and she died of a heart attack, and I was on my way back from Beaufort, South Carolina, riding my Harley, and a storm had come through, and I thought, I always go see Renata, but I'm going to go on to the house because my bike was blowing around. And so, and I didn't even, you know, part of me said, well, I wish I'd have called her. So Sunday night, I got a call saying that she was gone. And she had tried to tell me several weeks before that she had a feeling something like this was going to happen. I said, well, you're 32 years old. There's no way that this can happen. So I feel like I didn't hear her. I didn't want to hear her. And if I could could give, you know, this other half, I need this one, a kidney, I would do it so that I could have one more conversation with her. And what this dark night reminded me of is that I needed to forgive myself. I had to be compassionate with myself Because Renata was okay that I didn't come. And I felt like I had taken long enough to to feel this this pain. But she was with me my whole life, 32 years. You can't do that. You can't take a month off from graduate studies and expect to, to heal that. And in my Virgo mind, that's what I thought I could do. And, and so I, I gave it a month and then I moved on. But Spirit said, it's time. It's time to forgive yourself of this. It's time for you to to write a letter to Renata, which is one of the things that Gina suggested I do. And express everything that I, I didn't express and let go of all the feelings surrounding that. 
And I felt much better. I miss her every day. She was the funny one in our family. And I know she loves me. And she holds no grievance against me. Because I didn't go see her. And my na is always with me. And that is what that part of the dark night showed me. And then another part was a similar relationship pattern in the past had ended about that same time. And this is many, many years ago that had to be looked at to be healed. And all this came at the same time. And, and it, it was... I just couldn't understand, and then, and then here it is. I finally got multiple myeloma back in the box, and then this cardiac event comes up, and I'm like, you know, sometimes you just, and I'm just going to be honest, sometimes it's like, why, God? Isn't it, it must be time to go home. Because sometimes you don't feel like fighting anymore. You don't, I didn't feel God in it. But I leaned into my practice anyway. And I realized, and I heard T.D. Jake say this, that we are still here because of our purpose. That each of us have a purpose to fulfill that that there are plenty of people that had multiple myeloma and cardiac events at the same time I was having them that are not here anymore and I believe in my heart as I am here because of my purpose and that's why I let my soul surrender to the heart of God And say, use me. And that even in the midst of a broken heart. That I get to choose. To love unconditionally. Most of the time we love is contractual. And I think Radney Foster said this. Love doesn't come with a contract. You give me this, I'll give you that. It's scary business. But as Dr. Howard Thurman reminds us, we love for the sake of loving without even expecting anything in return. And that love not only goes for other people in our lives, but it goes for ourselves. That in the midst of the dark night of the soul, when we, when we are in pain, when we are in anguish, when, we, when our practice is dry, when, we, when I don't want to do a six-step prayer, We do it anyway. We choose to be in service. That's when I'm happiest. When I'm serving in crisis and support on Monday nights at Agape International Spiritual Center or in the prayer center on Wednesdays or here at Jubilee Circle, that is when I am in my happy place. And that helps me with this dark night of the soul. When I choose to love in spite of everything, I love to love. And I'm going to show up regardless of how I feel 
as the truth of my being, which is love in human form. And remember that regardless of how another person is acting, that they too are love incarnate. And that as I am compassionate with another person, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be compassionate with ourselves. We need to be able to hold ourselves. We need to be able to comfort ourselves and remember that we're not alone. That if we'll just sit our butts down, as Riff says, and lean into this power, this presence that is there regardless of how we feel. Willing to open ourselves to it. Willing to allow it to hold us. As, as Mother Mary held me the night before the Melphalan bomb and transplant. Spirit is, is just waiting on the slightest invitation. So as the, we exit the dark night and we have stayed in our practice, we have vision, we have asked, what is seeking to emerge through this? For me, it was unconditional love and compassion for myself and others. And what do I need to embody if this dark night never goes away? I embody trust. Trust that God is always for us and and never against us. I trust that everything is working together for my good and the highest good of everybody else, regardless of appearances. And at the end of the dark night, and it will come, I'll be able to embody more and more light because the ego a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul isn't that what it says and so the ego wants us to love conditionally I want to say bump that other person you go on and do your thing the ego wishes to separate but spirit says lean in and I'm not doing it alone and while bodies may separate, we're, <laughs> our relationships are eternal. And something wonderful is seeking to happen in our lives. And I choose to remember that. To lean into that. I choose to, to never suffer in silence. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't tell everybody my business. Because some things we need to share with someone who can absolutely hold the truth of our being. Because everybody wants to tell you, oh yeah, that's you right girl, gone. You know, they want to jump on that train. But what we need is a rise and shift partner, as Reverend Michael says. And that's why I'm wearing Sparky today. My rise and shift partner calls me Sparky. She says I'm always trying to start something. <laughs> I'm a booster cable for the Lord. So we just need to.
to share things with people. Some things I will share with the person that's involved and with a practitioner. That's it. Because I need somebody that can hold the truth of my being and the truth of the other's being. And help me to shift my perception. So, if the dark night comes, I should say when it comes, lean in to love. Never suffer in silence. And stay in your practice. Regardless of how we feel, we achieve so little because we have undisciplined minds. So the choice is to rise up, to love for the sake of loving without anything expected in return. And surrender your soul to the heart of God. God's got this. And because of this, you're going to see things that happen in your life. That you never ever expected. And you're going to be able to help so many people. Because you can share with them your experience. And how you were able to navigate the dark night of the soul. And rise higher than you ever thought possible. And for this, I say, oh yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh yeah.